This is Pastor Eric Love. I want to thank you for tuning into today's podcast. God told Joshua that if he meditated on the word and obeyed it, that he would make his way prosperous and that he would have good success. My prayer is that as you meditate on this word that you're about to hear and apply it to your life, that you too will find good success. Blessings on you and enjoy this word from the Lord. Initially, if he wants to eat the hog slop, then uh, and no one gave him anything, that means that he probably would have lost his job if he'd ate the pig's food. Because he wanted to, but nobody would give him any. Isn't that something? Anyway, we'll deal with that another time. We'll deal with another time. <laughs> but no one gave him anything. Look at verse number 17. When he came to his senses, when he came to him, his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I like the way he said that. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Bring, a fat, bring the fatted calf, the one we've been making fat. Bring him and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Hallelujah. Amen. Very familiar story. Many of you have already read this story and you know it all too well. Very familiar passage. But, but I, I want to pull um, about four points, maybe three or four points from this story to help all of us to get closer to God. And so tonight we're going to talk about four steps to get closer to God. Now, um, uh, all of us, we all, if, if we're honest, we all can agree that all of us could, could stand to get a little closer to God. If that's your testimony, raise your hand. Amen? All of us can agree that we all can stand and get a little bit closer to God. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. I, I like the way that the, the New Living Translation version reads it. It says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. We've left God's path to follow our own. So we've strayed away. Put that, put that in up there, Jerry. We, we, left, we left the end out on own. We, we followed to, we left, we've left God's path to follow our own path. Now, so here, here's, here's the thing about sheep. Sheep oftentimes stray. That's what they do. A sheep will stray and fall off a cliff. A sheep will stray and walk right into some water and be drowned. A sheep will stray and walk right into a, a den, a den of wolves. Sheep, sheep have a tendency to stray. So the shepherd has a very difficult job of keeping the sheep 
close to him. And so because sheep stray. And, and guess what? The Bible likens you and I unto sheep. The Bible says me and you, we're like sheep. In that, not only do we need a shepherd, but we also stray. Glory to God. Now, now keep your hand down. If Keep your hand down. Keep your hand down if you've ever strayed away from God. Amen. Good job. I got two people raise their hand. They didn't understand what I said. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so we, we all we all have strayed away. At one point in time and another, we all have strayed away. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Some people are in church and still in a straight away condition. You're in church, but you're still in a straight away condition. Now, keep your hands down. Keep your hands down if you've ever been in church and been in a straight away condition. Amen. That was more like it. Amen. <laughs> so we all, we all have fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We all have strayed away. Thank, aren't you thankful for the shepherd? Aren't you thankful for the good shepherd that'll put a, that, he, you know what he'll do? He'll take that staff and put it around your neck and get to snatching on you. <laughs> some of you are back in church. Some of you got staff marks around your neck right now because the Holy Ghost had to grab you around your neck and pull you back, pull you back to your senses. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. But listen, in, in order, in order for us to get back to God, there must be a transformation that happens in your mind. Write that down. In order for you to get back to God, there has to be a transformation that happens in your mind. Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you are going to grow closer to God, there has to be a change of mind. There has to be a change that happens in, the, in your mind because the way you think determines the way you feel and the way you feel determines the way you act. Let me say that again. The way you think determines the way you feel and the way you feel determines how you act. So if there's something that's happening in your life, that you don't like, you cannot start with your actions first. You cannot start working on your actions. You have to start working on your thinking because once you get your thinking right, then it changes your feelings. And once your feelings change, then you can change your actions. You will never change your actions until you first deal with what you're thinking. So you don't treat the thought like it never came. Cast it down in Jesus' name. There's got to come a point in time in your life where you got to ask yourself, what have you been thinking? You know what? People who wind up in depression, they're not depressed because things happening around them are depressing. They become depressed because they start thinking depressing thoughts. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. Nobody, you know, I can't make friends with anybody. You start thinking depressed thoughts. And so as a man thinketh in his heart, I wish I could preach in here, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, or so he becomes. And so God said it like this, if you can kill it in your mind, you can kill it in your life. Watch this. If you can overcome it in your mind, you can overcome it in your life. God's, God says it like this. God says to take every thought captive and bring every thought into obedience to not only the word but to the will of Jesus Christ. That's what God is saying to us. So we got to deal with our mind. So let's, let, let's, let's, let's look at some of this. Let's look at some of this mind stuff. Now listen. Now listen. The further you move away from God, the worse your life becomes. The further you move away from God, the worse your life becomes becomes when when you move away from God things start going all things start going haywire in your life 
Things start going weird in your life. Kids start acting crazy. Things start going crazy on the job. You start hearing noises in your car that you never heard before. Walk outside and your car flat and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. You know, uh, so, so think weird things start happening the further you move away from God. Now, the opposite is also true. The closer you get to God, the better things work out for you. Even, listen, when you're close to God, even if there's a layoff, you say, well, we got laid off Saturday, but, but Monday I got a call from my cousin who needed some help. So, so I helped him for a few weeks, and, and the money that I would have lost over there, I was able to make it up here until they called me back. And guess what? We got laid off, but I didn't miss a dime. I didn't miss a paycheck. That's what happens when you get close to God. That's what happens when you're close to him. Now, now listen, uh, there, there's a scripture for that. Proverbs 13, 15 says, but good understanding give its favor. It says, but the way of a transgressor is hard. Oh, it's hard on a sinner man. That's why the Bible says, the scripture says, don't, don't fret because of evildoers. Don't worry about them because they're prospering in their way. Because scripture says they're going to soon be cut off. So, don't, so they, they may seem like they're doing good right now, but don't you worry. Because they, they, their season is going to come. You know what? I heard Barney Fife said, every dog is going to have his day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of a transgressor, the way of a transgressor is hard. Life's going to get rough on you. When you stray from God, things going to get rough. Glory to God. That little money you thought you had. You've been outside the will of God and your money start drying up. You start trying to figure out, man, oh, Lord Jesus. Trying to figure out where in the world is that money going? Everything starts to dry up. All kind of weird stuff starts happening. You in your house and you think people in there, you thought you saw somebody walk past your door, all kind of weird stuff happened. I had three people laugh, those three didn't know what I'm talking about. No, man, you know, you know, the, the, the Bible says, the Bible says that a, a sinner will flee when nobody's chasing him. So when you're in transgression or you're in sin, you always feel like, I always feel like somebody's watching me <laughs> y'all know what i'm talking about when you in sin man all kind of weird stuff happen see but when you're walking with god you have peace you have peace when you're walking with god but when you're not walking with god man the way of a transgressor is hard listen i, I i'd rather be on god's side and get some help with life than to be a transgressor and have to go through all the difficulty I have to go through fighting with god myself so we're talking about we're talking about getting we're talking about getting closer getting closer to God now 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 let's look at this now look at this now um, in Luke chapter 15 Jesus is actually telling this story he's telling this story it's a parable that Jesus is telling because there are some things that he wants us he wants us to look at in the story now there are four things that you have to do in order to get closer to God these are the steps these are the four steps you have to take based on the principle that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 15 verse 11 through 24 four steps that you have to take in order to get closer to God Here's step number one. Number, st number one, you got to get fed up. Everybody say get fed up. You got to get fed up. You have to get fed up. In Luke 15, 13, you'll see it on the screen. Um, this is the, the, the contemporary English version. He wasted it all. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry. He finally came to his senses. He wasted it all. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry. 
he finally came to his senses. Now, this is for you. Many people will never, let me say it like this. Many people will find it very difficult to get closer to God because you, you haven't got sick and tired of being sick and tired yet. You're not tired enough yet. You know why? Because right now you still got enough money to bail you out. Right now you still got some friends you can call when you, when, when you need to borrow a little something, something. Hallelujah. I got one come on now and uh-huh. But you got to get fed up. You have to get fed up with where your life is. You have to get fed up being estranged from God. Listen, you got to get fed up of praying and feeling like your prayers are not passing the ceiling. You got to get fed up with that. There's got to be something in you that says, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm Watch this. I'm sick and tired of praying empty prayers. I'm sick and tired of praying prayers that have no power. I'm sick and tired of being defeated over and over and over. I'm sick and tired of having to go back to the altar every Sunday and repent. Repent for the same thing. I repent. I've been repenting for the same thing for the past six years. You got to get sick and tired. You got to get fed up. Nothing's going to happen until you get fed up. You got to get sick and tired. Watch this. You got to get tired of the devil winning in your life. You got to get tired of Satan always tricking you with the same trick and the same trap. You got to get tired. You got to get fed up. You got to get fed up. You got to get fed up. You got to get tired of not being in close to God as you used to be. You got to get tired of it. You got to get tired of feeling alone. You got to get tired of not being hungry for God's word again. You got to get tired. The, the believers, the body of Christ, we've got to get tired. We've got to get fed up with sin. We have to get fed up with it. You have to get fed up falling back in the same sin over and over and over and over again. You've got to get fed up. The body of Christ, we have to get fed up. This boy had to get fed up. He was feeding hogs. Now, now for a Jewish boy, that was not the thing to do because according to Jewish culture, they didn't deal with pork. They didn't deal with swine. They didn't touch pig. A pig was an unclean animal. And for a Jewish boy now to be a servant of something that they called unclean, but he's going to stay in the hog pen until he gets fed up. Many Christians just stand in the same hog pen until you get fed up. I've, I've seen women in abusive relationships. I've tried to help them and, and give them uh, pathways out and, and here are some things and I want to help you. And next thing you know, right back in the same situation. You know what I say? You're not fed up yet. Don't call me no more until you're fed up. Don't call me no more until you're fed up. Because until you get fed up, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to move until you get fed up. And listen, until you get fed up of them treating you like a low-class citizen on your job, you're just going to keep that same job. But the moment you get fed up, honey, you're going to go build your resume. Y'all better pick up what I'm putting down. Once you start knowing what you're worth, you're going to let them stop treating you less than what you really worth. But it's not going to happen until you get fed up. There's some things in life you just got to get fed up about. He finally gets fed up. If you want to get closer to God, you got to get fed up not being close to him. Nothing happens until you get fed up. Until the pain of doing 
Nothing outweighs the pain of doing something. We continue to do nothing. But you gotta get, you gotta get, you gotta get fed up. Jeremiah 29, 13, the message Bible. I like this. Uh, God said, You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than you want anything else. He said, You'll get you'll find me then when you get serious about finding me. That's what God is saying to us. You want to get close to God. You listen, you are as close to God as you desire to be right now. God said, when you get serious, you'll find me. When you get, when, matter of fact, you know, you've been playing in the pool and uh, somebody dunked you under the water and the, when they first dunked you under, you know, you just laugh and you can stay up under there for a few seconds and it's just all funny. But let them hold you under the water for a few more seconds. Let them hold you under the water for 60 seconds. Let, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get desperate, honey. Well, it started out, yeah, you were smiling. You could handle it at first, but they hold you on there long enough, you're going to get desperate. And you're going to start fighting for some air. You're going to start fighting to come back up to the surface. You know what? And that's what God is saying to you. God is saying to us that, that when you get knocked down because you don't stay under long enough, you know, God's grace brings you back up. You know what? You're not desperate enough. But what happens is God starts to send storms and allow things to manifest in your life to cause a desperation for him. And there's a time coming. When the church is going to have to get desperate for God and desperate for his presence. The city has got to get desperate. We have to get hungry for his presence, desperate for him. That's what God is saying to you, and that's what he's saying to me. But we have to get fed up. We have to get fed up. He finally, he came to his senses. Came to his senses. Took him a while, but he got there. You would have thought he'd have came to his senses when he spent all his money in the famine hit. But he didn't come to his senses then because he, he found another way out. I'll just get high, I'll just get a little job over here, and I'll do this for a while. And the Bible says even over there, nobody gave him anything. But he finally had to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. How many more years are you going to live not being close to God as you desire to be? How many more months are you going to go like that? How many more weeks are you going to go not being close to God as you desire to be. Because you right now are as close to God as you want to be. So if you're not close to God as you desire to be, then you got to change some thinking. you got to change something in your mind. There's some things got to change. So number one, you got to get fed up. Now, number two, number two, you got to own up. So one, get fed up. Number two, you have to own up. You have to own up. Everybody say, own up to my sin. Oh, you got to own up. Glory to God. You have to own up. To your sin. One, get fed up. Two, you got to own up. You have to own up to your sin. You have to own up to your sin. Luke chapter 15, verse 7, 18 says, Finally, he came to his senses and said, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. He finally fesses up. He finally owns up to his own sin. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says if a, if a person or a brother is caught in a trespass or, or they, they're in a fault, the Bible says you who are spiritual says you restore them. Watch this, but it didn't stop there. It says, but be mindful of yourself. Be mindful of yourself lest you also be tempted and fall into sin. So that's what he's saying. So watch this. We live in a day and time where people are more concerned about somebody else's sin than they are with their own sin. 
Isn't it amazing how we'll promote somebody else's sin and somebody else's transgression, somebody else's fault, somebody else's fault, but we, we, we don't like talking about our mess. We'll tell what everybody else did, but we don't talk about ourselves. This boy didn't talk about what everybody else did and what everybody else said. This boy finally said, Lord, it's me. I've sinned against you, Father. I've sinned. It was me. I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against God. He owned up to his sins. Isaiah 59, 2 says, your sins have separated you from God and have hidden his face from you. God said we have to own up to our own sins. The Bible says you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So God is, there's a clarion call today for people to confess, to say, Lord, I'm sorry, to go back to him and say, Father, it was me. Watch this. It's time out for blaming everybody else for your sin. Glory to God. Blame it. Listen, listen. God is no longer listening to you talk about what your mama did to you and what your daddy did to you and what your ex-boyfriend did to you and your ex-girlfriend. God is no longer interested in hearing all of those excuses. God says you have to be accountable for your own sins. You made a choice to sin. Yeah, they hurt you, but the sin was still your choice. It was still your choice. Yeah, they lied on you, but the sin was your choice. You chose to sin. And God is calling for the church to stand up and acknowledge that we have sinned. We've sinned. Maybe for you it wasn't a sin of commission. Maybe for you it was a sin of omission. Maybe God told you to do something that you didn't do it. Maybe you've dealt with the big stuff in your life. But watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, that there's only one obedience in Scripture, and it's called instant. If you're going to obey God, watch this, let me say it like this. Like this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And all disobedience is sin. Ooh, the way of a transgressor. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> Hallelujah. The way of a transgressor is hard. God is saying that it's time for us to own up. He says, Father, I have sinned against God, and I've sinned against you. See, see, when, when you confess your sin, you, you're moving the thing out of the way that's hindering that relationship. Many of you are not close to God as you desire because you haven't dealt with your sin. You haven't dealt with that pride issue. You haven't dealt with that unforgiveness issue. You haven't dealt with that lust problem. Glory to God. You still roll your eyes and smack your lips. If you're a wife, you haven't dealt with that submission to your husband problem yet. I ain't scared. You, you haven't dealt with, you, you, you're single and you haven't, you haven't dealt with that fornication issue yet. You haven't dealt with it yet. You haven't dealt with it. And, and that sin separates you from God's presence. Never from his love, but from his presence. That's why you don't feel close, because you haven't dealt with the sin. God's been showing it to you all the time. Some of you, you haven't dealt with that jealousy issue yet. Glory to God. You better learn how to be cool in your own skin. Come on, man. Y'all better talk back to me. 
Hallelujah. You better learn how to be, listen, I, I, if you got a stomach, you better rub on that joker and just smile and be just happy. <laughs> Sit your plate on top of it and eat well, honey. Use that joker to push your grocery buggy. All I'm, I'm just telling you, you better learn how to be cool in your own skin. You better be happy the way, listen, listen, you, this, this body borrowed anyway. <laughs> when I'm through with it, it's going to go back to the dirt. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I got a new body waiting on me. Now, I'm going to try to take care of this. I'm going to put some motor oil in it. I'm going to try to change it, change it, put a little gas in every now and then. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I'm going to put a new, yeah, some new tiles on it. I'm going to do my best. Now, I'm going to go stick my feet in the water and let them cut my hangnails out. I'm going to do that. Now, I'm going to do my best to take care of it. But I'm not caught up in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to do my best. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But what, what I'm saying is, see, that deals with jealousy. I don't have to worry about being like nobody else. Be yourself. Be the best you you can be. God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Learn how to love yourself. Stop waiting on somebody else to love you and be mad when they don't treat you like you desire to be treated. Baby, learn how to love yourself. Take yourself out to dinner. Buy your own roses. Buy your own house. Buy your own car. And baby, learn how to love yourself. Love yourself, honey. You like pink lipstick? Put on you some pink lipstick. Stop worrying about what? Stop worrying about folks. You worry about people too much. Love yourself. That's all I'm telling you. Then you're going to deal with all that jealousy. Jealous this person. Jealous of that person. Yeah. She's skinny, so what? She got skinny girl problems. You'd be surprised how many skinny girls want to be fat. How many fat girls want to be skinny? And if y'all would have trade sizes, you'd hate yourself. You'd be fat. You used to being fat. You wind up being skinny. He's like, Lord Jesus, I can't eat as much as I used to eat. I'm so cold. I get cold everywhere I go. I'm cold. I, <laughs> I need my fat back. <laughs> You better love what I'm done. All I'm trying to tell you, you better learn how to love yourself, honey. <laughs> Mess around and get skinny in that place you'd made in the bed don't work no more. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to my text. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you, man, learn to love yourself. Deal, deal with whatever's in your life. Deal with that jealousy and that anger and that malice. Deal with, forgive folk. But they hurt you 10 years ago, man. Let that stuff go so you can get close to God. Deal with the sin so you can get that out of your way. So now you got a perfect channel to get closer to God. Learn how to love yourself. You're made in the image and in the likeness of God. God, you were made to be a visible representation of the Godhead. You got to know that God made you to look just like him with all of your quirks and all of the weird stuff that you do. God, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming everybody else. 
Stop blaming everybody else. You, you, know, you, you know what the word blame means? I heard Rick, Rick Warren say this, and it just blessed me. He said the word blame means to be lame. <laughs> Stop being lame. Blaming everybody else. Take some personal responsibility. Amen. The children's room is over there. Y'all in the adult class. It's time for the adults to start acting like adults. It's time for us to start taking blame, taking the responsibility and stop blaming everybody else for our sins. You know what? Uh, in, in Psalms 51, this is after David had sinned with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. So this was a pretty serious sin that David committed. But David prayed a prayer and David said, be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love. Because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean from my sin. Look at verse number three. Verse number three, bless me. Verse number three, David said, I recognize my faults. I am always conscious of my sin. I have sinned against you. David cries out to God and says, God, wash me of all my evil. Make me, make me clean of my sins. I like number three. He says, I recognize that it was my fault. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't her fault. It was my fault. I recognize that it was my fault. You know what happens? You know what happens in the spirit realm? When we, when we finally confess our sins, then we allow the power of God to be able to move in on our lives. Check this out. This is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This is the living Bible. Check this out. He says, this is God talking. He says, no matter how deep the stain, no matter how deep the stain of your sin. No matter no matter how dingy it is. No matter how dirty it is. No matter how filthy the sin is. No matter how how bad you think it is. No matter how deep the stain of your sins. He says, "I can take it out." Glory to God. Glory to God. No matter what you've done. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know all the hell I've been through. Pastor, you don't know some of the sins I've committed. Makes it it's no matter how deep the stain no matter how far it goes back, no matter, no matter how hurtful or how painful it was, it makes no difference. Makes no difference how deep the stain is. He said, I'll take it out and I'll make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. God said, I will take out the stain of sin. God deals away. He, he takes the guilt away. Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. God says, it. he said, I'll take away this. So you know what? Here's what that means. That means that if God can forgive you, you better learn how to forgive yourself, honey. You better learn how to I don't, listen, I don't care if they still hold it against you. They hold it against you. They hold it against you. Listen, as long as God let it go, I've let it go, honey. And you got to learn how to let it go. And watch this. If God set you free, you got to learn to set other folk free. So if God released you from transgression, you got to release other people from their transgression. If God forgave you learn how to forgive somebody else. God forgave you. You got to also forgive. You can't, you can't receive God's forgiveness and then withhold forgiveness from somebody else. 
And I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about just the forgiveness that they asked for. Some of y'all are still waiting on an apology. If the apology never shows up, you go ahead and forgive them. Because forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is giving up the right to get even. Watch this. I don't have to go. I don't have to play with you anymore. I don't have to go to lunch with you anymore. But honey, let's what? Let's, let's agree that I'm going to love you from over here. You stay over there. I wave at you. I'll see you at the basketball. Watch this. I'm going to see you at the graduation. Hey, girl. How you doing? I don't like you, and I know you don't like me. But guess what? I love you in the love of the Lord. Come on, man. You, you may not like people's ways, but God said we have to love them. I don't like your ways. I don't like what you did to me, but I, I, I've got to love you. And, I, and watch this. I, if, if I try to love you within myself, I can't do it. <laughs> the only way I can love my enemy is I have to love them with the love of Jesus. Y'all better pick up what I'm putting down. I have to love them with the love of Jesus that lives on the inside. I can't love them with my love. I can't love them with their humanistic love. I have to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. I can't love you on my own. Glory to God. So can you love them? Sure you can. You can love them through Jesus. Because watch this. You have to see them the way God sees them. If you see them as a soul and not as an evil person, then you can love them. If you see them as a soul that needs to be saved and need to be delivered and still desire a soul that, that needs to be in heaven, when you see them like that, it makes it a little bit easier for you to love them. Amen. Makes you easier to forgive them. So get fed up. Own up to your own sins. Own up to your sins. Number three, number three, you have to offer up. Everybody say offer up. Everybody say offer up. Get fed up. Own up. Now you have to offer up. Offer up myself. You have to offer up yourself. Now, I'm giving you all the steps. I hope you all are writing these steps down. I'm giving you the steps to get closer to God. You have to get fed up. You have to own up to your own sins, and you have to offer up. Luke chapter 15, verse 12, the son said, Father, check this out. Look, look at the contrasting statements. Luke chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 15, verse 12, the son said, Father, give me my. Father, give me. Father, give me. Father, give me my. That's what he said in verse number 12. But look at what he said in verse number 19. He returned to his father and he says, make me. Make me a servant. The verse number 12, he said, make me rich. I want to be wealthy. Give me, give, me, give me the part of the living that belongs to me. I want to be rich. Father, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. By verse 19, he dealt with his thinking. He dealt with his sin. He, stopped, he didn't blame anybody else but himself. He could have blamed all the people that stole money from him, all the people he let borrow money, all the people he, that, that, bought alcohol, that he bought alcohol for, he bought whiskey and liquor for. He could have blamed all them people because none of those people paid him back. But you know what he said? It was my sin. It was my sin. So now he's offering himself up. He says, make me a servant. You got to move from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. He said, make me a servant. I don't want you to give me anything. Just make me as one of your servants. He said, he, when he came to himself, the Bible says that he realized that his dad's servants have food to spare. And he said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to offer myself 
to God. Here's what God is saying to you. In order for you to get closer to him, you have to be prepared to offer yourself up to him. Are you prepared to serve God? Or do you just come to church? Are you prepared to serve God? Or do you just come to church? Is coming to church your only service that you do for God? Is this the only thing that you do for him? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe coming to church is not for him. Maybe you don't even do this for him. Because you don't do anything when you get here. You don't vacuum anything. You don't, don't pick up any paper. You don't clean the bathroom. What are you, what are you, what service? Oh my goodness. What service am I rendering to God? What am I doing for the Lord? If I'm a servant for God, where am I serving? What am I doing for the Lord? If I'm, a, if I'm really a servant, I'm really a servant. Servants serve. Servants listen to the master's commands. And servants do what the master say. Have I become a servant to God? Or am I still in gimme stage? Am I just coming to church because I got a prayer I need to get filled? I got a Christmas list. Maybe that's why I'm coming to church. Am I coming to church to serve? I'm coming to church to be served. What am I coming to church for? Oh, you got to ask yourself that question. What are you coming to church for? What are you going to do with this word that you're getting tonight? Are you going to take this word and just fold it up and put it in your bag and you're not going to look at that book again until Wednesday night and pluck you did something just because you wrote everything pastor said? It makes you feel good just to write everything, but you don't ever go back and study it. Oh, somebody are being convicted right now. Oh, Pastor, love walking heavy tonight. What do you do with the word that you get? Are you a servant of the word? Are you a steward of the word? Be ye doers of the word and not Hearers only. Don't just come in here and hear it. Go and do what you're hearing. Be doers of the word. Offer yourself up. Make yourself get up a little early in the morning to spend some time with God. Offer yourself up. He came back. He said, I'll be a servant. Isaiah 118, I like this. This is the living Bible. Isaiah 118 says, come let us talk this over, saith the Lord. No matter how deep your stains of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. I like that. Here, here's what happens. After he offers himself up, let's look at the Father's response. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. Filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him, and said, bring me the best, or bring him the best. 
once he offered himself up, the father threw his arms around him and said, bring me the best. Bring me the best robe. Bring me the best sandals for his feet. Bring me the signet ring. You, a signet ring in those days was like, a, was like a credit card with no limit. Although he spent all my money, he spent half of my living, he spent everything that was to fall to him. Watch this. Because I forgive him, now bring him a blank credit card. Because you would take that signet ring and you would dip it in wax and you would put it on a, on a, on a, on a contract. And that, that signet ring meant that the king was going to pay whatever that signet was on. So bring him fresh credit card, unlimited credit. Bring him my credit card, whatever he needs. I want him to have it. That's what God wants to do with you and I. That's what God wants to do. Solomon, what would you have me to do for you? Solomon, I'm giving you a signet. I'm giving you a blank check, Solomon. What would you have for me to do? Solomon, whatever you ask for, I'm going to do it. Solomon said, give me wisdom. God wants you that same thing for you. God wants to write you a blank check so you can have the stuff that you need, so you can, you can own the things that you need to own, so you can, you can purchase the things that you need to purchase. God wants to do that same thing for you, but, the, but you, but you got to get fed up. You got to get fed up. You got to own up to your sins. You got to offer yourself up. That's what you have to do. You have to offer yourself up. And the father throws his arm, kissed him, and said, bring me the best. God desires for you to have the best. It's God's desire for you to have the best. He said, bring him the best. Why? Now I know I can trust him with it. I can trust him because now he's dealt with, he's, he got fed up, he owned up, he offered himself. And now once he offered himself, he gets the best. Now, not only do we get fed up, own up, offer up. Lastly, it's time to lift up. Everybody say lift up. Ooh, it's time to lift up. Now we lift up my praise. Now we lift up praise to God. Luke chapter 15, verse 23 through 24, the New Living Translation says, we must celebrate with a feast, with eating and drinking. Verse 24 says, to the B call says, he was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. They begin to sing praises to the Lord. They begin to open up their mouths and give glory to God. They lifted up praises to him. Psalm 68, 4, English Standard Version says, Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him. His name is the Lord. There's power in singing to God. When I, I, I was listening to Rick, um, talking, he was talking about how he had this psychologist friend, and and when when people from the church would come to him with, with dealing with depression, he would ask them, "Do you sing every song that is sang during praise and worship?" And the people that battling with depression usually said no. And he said, I want you to go back and I want you to sing for the next three months. I want you to sing every song during praise and worship, every song on Wednesday night and come back in three months and we'll have another, another conversation. And he says over and over and over again, the people who went and sang the songs came back and they felt better. They, they were able to sing their way out of that depression. He, he, talked about, he talked about some Swedish researchers did, did a study on the benefit of group singing. Check this out. The habit of group singing, here's what it says, is good for the mental, emotional, social, 
and physical health. Here is what he says. Now check this out. Now this is some research. They check, this is what they said. They said group singing, singing the way we do, uh, singing the way most churches do, it lowers your blood pressure. It releases endorphins. Endorphins make you, make you feel happy. That's that go-go juice in your brain. It releases endorphins. It improves your mood. Singing builds your confidence, relieves loneliness, releases negative emotions and stress. And he also went on and says people who sing uh, praise and worship, they actually live longer. Glory to God. So you know what that means? So you know what that means this coming Sunday? Don't y'all sit in here and not sing. That's why you're so grumpy, because you don't sing. Glory to God. And don't worry about singing good. Hallelujah. You may make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You, just, you, you do your best, honey. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I, heard, I heard somebody say that. Somebody say that uh, uh, some church people sound like jailhouse singers. Say so you're behind a few bars and you're missing a few keys. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Just say out if that's for you. <laughs> Just, hallelujah. Amen. But what, all I'm saying is, listen, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing praises to his name, O Most High. Give praise to God. Listen, that's why we put the lyrics on the screen. So you don't have to be sitting behind that person mumbling stuff and saying words that you made up in your own head. Y'all know how we, we don't know what a real word is. You just make up a sound that kind of fits the word. <laughs> you just start making up stuff. So sing to the Lord a new song. You want to get close to God, we got to get fed up. We got to get fed up. And I believe that many of you are. I believe that many of us are. I don't want to live another day estranged from God. I, want, I don't want to live one more day absent God's presence. Not one more day. You can be close to God tonight. You know, I, 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 you've heard me say this before, and it's still a true statement, I believe, is that no matter how many steps you've made away from God, there's only one step to get back to him. You just got to repent. Own up to your own sins. Make it up in your mind. And listen, understand this, that you're not doing this alone. You're not doing this by yourself. Holy Spirit is right there with you. Every step of the way, all you have to do is make the commitment. All you have to do is make it up in your mind. I'm going to deal with me. I'm going to deal with my sin. And you know what happens after that? Then God starts to work. God starts to draw you closer and closer and closer and closer to him. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I normally, I normally don't do this, but I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. If you're here and you say, you say, Pastor Love, is, Norm, is Norman here? He's still here. Hallelujah. Ask him to come out and just play something or somebody, one of y'all musicians. Listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray. we got a few minutes. I'm going to pray. But if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Love, you know what? I really want to get closer to God. I heard the word tonight, and you know what? I, I'm, I've been really convicted by the word. The word's really convicted me. I want to be closer to God. If that's you, I want you to leave your things right there where they are, and I want you just to come and meet me at this altar, and you say, I want to be closer to him. I just want to pray a prayer, a, a prayer for you, 
Amen. Because I know some people are wrestling. Some people have a hard time. Some people are really struggling to get closer to God. I know that certainly has been the case. I know that certainly has been what it has been for me. I've wrestled, wrestled many, many years, many years trying my best.